0: This is Chris and this is Andrew and welcome back to what is now the final episode of the base game of The Witcher 3 episode 16 I had to think for a second
1: (laughs) last episode we felt like the game said it
0: best by just ending so we thought yeah it would be we couldn't think of a better way to end it ourselves so we thought we would just you know shamelessly copy what the game did. And just end it.
1: Well, I wasn't going to say that part, but...
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, so today we're going to talk about our epilogues and uh, do some final thoughts on the game before we move into the DLC. So, again, I'll go first with my epilogue. So, epilogue begins uh, with Geralt arriving at the Royal Palace in Vizima. Um, Things are kind of winding down from the war. Uh, People are just sort of cleaning up and kind of activity and the same assistant from the beginning of the game, the one that we were concerned was going to possibly die (laughs) uh, in my game. Yes, because I didn't bow, um, greet you and has you follow him to the emperor again. And when you get there, he there's just like somber discussion between the two of them where the emperor asks, where is Cirilla? And he goes. You know, I'm sorry, she she died in the battle, uh, saving this world and all the worlds from the white frost, and it, it was just too much for her, and she gave the ultimate sacrifice. And he goes, did she tell you anything? And you get some options, and I told him that she said that she regretted not being able to say goodbye, and he goes, y- like, quietly, like, he doesn't believe you, it seems like, but, you know, he doesn't. He, he just, it is like a emo- sort of emotional sound voice. Is that really what she said? And Geralt goes, she didn't have to say it. I knew that she felt that way. Everybody knew she felt that way. And, and then there's just a, some, like a, a moment of silence between them. And then Geralt's like, well, if there's nothing else, I'm, I'm going to go. And he says, and the emperor says, there's plenty else, but yes, you can go. And I never want to see you again. Fair. <laughs> and. You just leave, and you're back in the beginning area, like the opening section when you were looking for Yennefer, and Geralt runs into some people on a cart, like some uh, vaguely kind of looters. They might just be villagers, but the uh, the Zeman army is pulling out. And so, like, the war is over, and they're packing up to go home, and they're just, like, villagers are just, like, taking some of the supplies they left behind and stuff, and so they're having some drinks and roasting a pig, and Geralt just sits down by the fire for a little bit and talks to him, asks if they need any help, and they say no. Look, like I mean, now things seem like they're under control. Things are changing around here, and Geralt asks one more time if they need help, and they say they insist they're good. And he says, "Where are you headed?" He goes, "I got I'm off to the old army base to uh, to meet someone." So he heads up to. So you you head up to uh, the That, based from the tutorial with the guy that we originally liked, that turned out to be a super jerk. And you show up, and whoever Geralt's waiting on isn't there. So you meditate for a while, and then he shows up, and it's some, like, apparently very big deal swordsmith. Master Ort, or something? I had no idea who it was, but... You're late. Well, you know, with the uh, army caravans and stuff, it just took a little while to get here. But I got your, your order... And he starts going through all the specs. Uh, it's just a very, very nice silver sword, like amazingly good, like best in the world as far as he's concerned. like the way he describes it. And Geralt takes it and does a few swings on it, and then he goes. And I, I etched the runes in it exactly like you asked, and then you get to pick what Geralt asked for, and I asked for the name that everybody had been calling Syrian Elvish, Pharrell, is it Ferella or whatever it was, the the Elven word for swallow. I, I, it started with an F, a Varella, something like that. Yeah, and there was something else you could you could have done. There were other options, but that was the one I picked. And what were the other options, if you remember? Uh, one of them was like a quote that was like one of the quotes that uh, they said about Siri a lot. I I think that it was just those two. But I immediately knew that's the one I was picking, so I didn't even pay attention because like yes, it's that. And Geralt does some swings with it for a while, and you know pays the pays him for his sword, and he leaves. And he says, uh, as the the swordsmith is getting ready to leave, he goes, "You know, if you're looking to try that sword out, I heard there's a there's a bounty that just got posted up in the area. Uh, looks like some Witcher's work." And he goes, "Yeah, I've got I've got one more stop, but then maybe I'll take a look at that." And then you have to head to the inn, the the one that got shut down at the beginning of the game. Um, again in that opening, and as you go in again, people are leaving, and you see, you're starting to see the the banners being hung back up for um, the whole Tamaria. I blanked on the name of their city or of their king- kingdom for a second. <laughs> How did you forget Temeria? I don't know. I, I was about to say Ferelden. I'm like, I know it's not Ferelden. I don't know why I keep thinking that. <laughs> um, uh, but, like, the, the again, the Vizeman armies, the Empire is marching out and, like, troops from uh, Tamaria are kind of settling back in. Uh, and they're declaring, as you head into the inn, there was a announcement that um, all of any debt, any debts or back taxes incurred during the Vizeman occupation were forgiven, and they were now citizens of of Temeria again. And you go inside, and you go to the back of the the tavern, and there's a cloaked figure sitting at the table, and of course it's Siri. And Geralt walks up and sits down next to her, and she's like, also says, "You're late." <laughs> And he goes, yeah, the, I, I got held up. And then she drops a bag of money and she says, oh, this, this was for the Drowner contract. And there's a new one that's just coming in that I was looking at. And he goes, you've been busy. And he sets the sword on the table and passes it over to her. And she's like, you know, in awe because this is an amazing silver sword. And she's only ever had the steel sword. And she immediately pulls it out and like gets emotional when she sees the, the runes on it. I says, can can I try it out? Says, it's your sword, but you can't do it in here. And she goes, uh, says, well, in that case, well, let's get to work. And it cuts out, and it goes to the actual like narration epilogue. And so in the narration epilogue, uh, Vizima, or obviously the Empire, won the war and followed the treaty that was originally laid out, so Temeria got to be its own place, but the rest of the North was taken over uh, through the, the treaty that Roach and Thaler and Vess wanted. And the, the, the Dandelion's narration talked about the irony that uh, it took the empire winning the war and the north to lose for Temeria to be its own country again. And they, uh, Ciri, well, it, it talked about uh, Skelliga and how the queen was doing an excellent job at focusing on improving her people. It, it mentioned managed to say that they were maybe losing their edge a little bit in terms of fighting, but their lives, like she was improving their lives significantly. And for Siri, Ciri became an official a witcher, and Geralt taught her everything there was to know that he knew about being a witcher, and it talked about how legends of the ashen-haired witcheress spread far and wide throughout the land as she went and did witcher's work. And Geralt retired to Kavir with Chris, and it was talking about how um, they lived in, you know, peace and happiness, and she made very good money as as the mage's assistant to the king of Kovir, but Geralt still took on Witcher's contracts occasionally. And Dandelion immediately goes more out of habit than necessity because he just sometimes he just missed doing it. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds about right. But otherwise, that was his luck. Lo- uh, that was it. He retired with Triss. Ciri took up his mantle as the Witcher and traveled the world. And yeah, so that was the the more or less my epilogue. <laughs> So my epilog went a little different. I had a feeling it might have. As you may have
1: imagined. Yeah. My epilog kicks off with Geralt, Yennefer, Zoltan and Dandelion all in that original tavern. Zoltan and Yennefer are kind of laughing back and forth and Geralt and Dandelion are basically talking about their meal. They were going to Geralt was off to get some rabbits for rabbit stew, and that Garrett was like, well, you can come with me, and he goes, "Ah, I think you've got all the help you need, plus me out there. I think I'm much better suited in here making the stew with all the spices and everything that you need. You're more the the go-get-the-rabbits type. (laughs) And so... You have an opportunity to actually speak with each one of them, and I can't remember what each individual one said, but I know that when you're in there in that tavern, you you have you you can talk to everybody, up to and including the tavern owner. And the tavern owner is kind of like, "Yeah, I don't really know why the other person just up and left, but things have been going pretty well rather recently." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I." I have no idea. Weird. It seems really odd that they would just leave like that. (laughs) And so then your objective becomes go meet up with the hunter. And it's that hunter from the very beginning of the game, Mikael. So he is the hunter that originally tells you where the griffin is that is attacking the citizens. And he basically says they've run along ahead very eager to get all the traps for some reason. I guess I guess they really want rabbits. And then he goes, "You can find them up along the way sitting up on the mountain." And he specifically says her. And so you walk up to the mountain side and Siri is sitting there on a rock just waiting for you. And she looks at girl and she says, "Hey, so let's go for a walk." And he's like, "What?" what about the rabbits? You were so eager to get them this morning. And she's like, "Uh, I'm done with rabbits. Let's figure something else out. (laughs) And he's like, okay, but we at least have to undo the snares and stuff. And she goes, oh, Mikhail will do that. I want to see, I want to see the Griffin's nest. She was like, you always told me that you were going to show me the Griffin and I want to see it. And he goes, okay, it's right along this way, uh, but we're going to have to figure something else out on the way and she was like well let's go fishing and he's like okay i guess fish dandelion will just have to figure it out he's preparing rabbit stew but whatever we'll go fishing now and he kind of sounds a little annoyed about that and so they go down to the pond and there's a bear kind of digging fish out of the lake and both of them are like "Whoa, whoa whoa hold up hold up And Geralt says, Now I have a nifty trick for scaring away bears. And he's like, Just throw a bomb up there. (laughs) And so,
0: (laughs) and I'm like, A nifty trick. Dude, you're about to blow up this bear. (laughs) Exactly. Like, well, bear's not a problem anymore. How many bears have I killed in this
1: game? But that's (laughs) beside the point. Uh... So we get up there. And you throw the bomb and then she goes, oh, that worked magnificently. And she's like, where did you learn how to do that? And he's like, Vesemir taught me when I was young. And you get the fish. And then that's when she's kind of talking about Vesemir and saying, you know, Vesemir would give me piggyback rides. I noticed you never would. <laughs> you would never give me a piggyback ride. And he's kind of standing there. and He's like, I, I don't really know what to say. And then she just jumps on him. It's him standing there by himself. And then the camera pans out and she just runs up and jumps on his back. And so then he kind of runs around in a circle and was like, oh, then they're, they're like having fun. And they, and he kind of <laughs> gives her a piggyback ride around um, this kind of uh, clearing. And then she says, I want to see the griffin. I want to see that griffin. You've always told me about the first griffin when you came here. It sounds like they've been in this area for a while. And he was like, OK, well, let's go. And he's kind of trying to tell her, he's like, you know, you've got to be careful, you know. And the griffin, the body might actually still be there. And so you go up to where the griffin was, and it's that very familiar, this is the nest of of where it was. Because in the very beginning of the game, you'll remember that the soldiers had killed a griffin. Mm-hmm. And this was its mate that was attacking them. And that body was still sitting up there. And so Siri kind of starts to run off ahead, and Garrett's like... And Geralt says, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. It might still, I don't know what's up there. And she's like, oh, it'll be fine. It's whatever. Immediately, a cockatrice comes in and starts like inches away from Ciri. And so um, we kill the cockatrice and Geralt's immediately like, Ciri, you cannot possibly be this reckless. He was like, next time when this happens, it was so close to your shoulder. You could have been killed. And she goes, don't you get it? There's not going to be a next time. And Geralt kind of says, what? And she's like, nothing. Let's let's head down. And so uh, they kind of go down. And I think I'm kind of telling things out of order. I'm pretty sure this is where they have the piggyback. That was kind of a sad little comment, though. But, uh, or no, that's right. This is right. So Geralt kind of says, what do you mean? There's not going to be a next time, and and she says, "Geralt, I'm leaving, and I'm going back to Emir." And he's like, "Oh!" And then you kind of get back into town, and you'll notice that there's a whole bunch of Nilfgaardian soldiers. And then she said, "I almost forgot that today was the day." And then Geralt says, "Well, so that's what all this was about." And she says, "Yes, I'm leaving, and I'm I'm going back to." Amir to continue on with my path and then Geralt has several options of like basically sort of the same thing from before sort of like a good luck a why are you doing this and a it doesn't have to be that way but the option that i chose was is this what you really want because at one point he says did anyone else know about this clearly implying yennefer and she goes If you're saying Yennefer knew and she talked me into it, she has no idea. She was like, so don't blame this on her. And he's like, got it. And then you have the last option to just say, is this what you really want? And Siri says, yes, I think I can do. She was like, I can do good for anyone where I happen to be, but where I'm going, I can do good for everyone. And then she says that um, this is what she wants. And she gives Geralt her sword. She takes her sword that she's been using the entire game, her steel sword, off of her back. She hands it to Geralt and she says, this is goodbye for now. But it doesn't have to be forever. And then she walks away, gets on a horse. And that guy, who's not dead, bows to her as... Well, I'm glad to hear that he made it. (laughs) As all of the citizens now realize what's going on and bow to Ciri as she's getting on to, I'm assuming because that guy's like, this is Cirilla, blah, 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 Empress, blah, So it ends with Geralt standing there and just proud of this decision she's made and proud of the person that she's become and just saying goodbye for now. And that begins the closing remarks of my epilogue, which was essentially Ciri becomes Empress and from what I understand, does a very good job. It, it kind of talks about basically the exact same things that you had went into um, because I made the same choices. It goes to Tamaria becomes free again, and Danny Danylion says the same comment. Uh, and it was the same comment about Skellige, the queen, and how they're becoming less fighters, but more intellectually and politically savvy. Uh, And then it gets to uh, Geralt and Yennefer, where Geralt and Yennefer uh, both retire from their respective jobs. They leave, and essentially the last sentence is, they rarely get out of bed before noon on most (laughs) days. (laughs) So it heavily implies that Geralt and Yennefer spend the rest of their days sleeping together. (laughs) I wasn't going to put it so bluntly, but yes. How how are you going to say it? He was showing her the proverbial bone. (laughs) I feel like I did it more delicately. (laughs) Spending eternal night. (laughs) Lots of bonding time. Exactly. So, whereas Geralt, with Triss, still has to go out and occasionally do hunter's work, witcher's work.
0: It was very only clear. He because he wants I was to. about to say, he doesn't have to. It was very clear. <laughs> Except with
1: Yennefer, he doesn't ever want to again. The only thing he ever wants to do again. See, that's the thing. When he's going back and doing his witcher work with Triss, he's really just yearning for the days of when he was with Yennefer very clear Uh, because there is no witcher work going on between Yennefer and Geralt at the end of my epilogue. It is just Yennefer and not just because it's mine. After hearing both, I, I honestly feel like I
0: prefer my ending more. I mean, certainly in a big picture sense. Absolutely. I, I, and it does. I mean, especially the little bits that you were talking about, where you get to go around and spend more time with Siri. I really like that. You you get to have one last like hurrah with Siri as as I, the day progresses. I still kind of think that. I mean, maybe not. Like, especially she came to that decision on her own. But I still kind of feel like, as a Witcher, Siri is probably more personally happy. But absolutely, she's not wrong. That she can do far more good for the world as Empress. And see, that's where I disagree
1: with you, because she had the option, because she met her father, to do both, and she specifically chose Empress, because you never even gave her the option and just sent her, didn't even take her to
0: her father. She was never even presented with the option. I mean, I don't disagree, and like knowing, as I did, because after I got my ending, I went and looked up just to see what the different ending possibilities were, and- I mean, definitely the ending that you got is classified as the best ending. So in general, certainly the way the developers did it, they intended for the ending you got to be the one that is the best outcome.
1: Well, I do. I would like to point out the other ending where Siri dies
0: and Geralt goes on a mission to track down the last crone. I was actually about to bring that up because I'm like, we had mentioned it last time, but you never did fight the last crone.
1: No, and that's just a low-hanging fruit that's gone forever because the only way that you kill the last crone is with Siri. So in both of our endings, there's still this murder demon out there yeah. going around slaughtering children, and it's almost like I'd like to think Siri as Empress or Witcher would be like, hey, the first thing I'm going to do is go track down that crone, but it's not like they bring it up. Yeah. And when... The mission of her dying is literally track down this crone to get the last, or to get the Witcher thing that she wanted from Vesemir as the last token of her. It's kind of
0: like, wow. Hey guys, maybe we should go deal with that crone. It's really unfortunate that that's the only way that that gets resolved though.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's really, yeah, that sucks. It'd be really nice if there was another way to kind of deal with the last crone because apparently the only way to deal with the last crone is to let Siri die and it's like,
0: no. Yeah, like that's definitely not a trade-off worth making. You
1: can be under the assumption that, yeah, she's definitely going to deal with that as a witcher or as a empress as, well, this was a stone that needs to be uncovered, but it's like you could also easily forget that that was even a thing because all the stuff that happened between that fight and the end and her fighting the oh, yeah. the like, frost it's like um yeah i would probably definitely forget about that last loose I mean end. i'll
0: be honest until we talked about the ma- the thing on the mountain i had forgotten that one of them had gotten away until we started having that conversation yeah so it's like
1: uh do we want to go back and deal with that, or I mean, that does seem like a thing we should probably care about? Hey Siri, I know you're the Empress now, but that crone's still out there. Can I have like a few troops? <laughs> like, can we go? Well, Geralt doesn't even need to. It was like, can you figure out where it is so I can just go kill it? Yeah. I'm
0: like, unless you want some, if you, you can bring troops, they're just gonna die. That's what you really want if you could go, because you're going to be more capable than the entire army anyway. You're
1: just going to teleport in, kill it, and then leave. Yeah.
0: But I, I will say that
1: not only just because she has the capacity to do more good as Empress, but the fact that she was given all of her options and still chose Empress as her next track. That's why I disagree with the notion that she would be happier being a Witcher.
0: Well, I mean... There's that, but it's also just the question of, you know, um, duty or whatever, because especially the way you framed it, it sure makes it sound like, not necessarily that she doesn't want to be Empress, but that at least partially her decision is being made less by what she would be personally happy with and more what good she can do. And now, of course, doing good is probably going to make her happy because Siri's a good person, but, I mean, I, I guess I'm just not convinced that at least as presented, just because she made that choice, that's necessarily the choice that makes her happier, because that feels a lot like, again, at least the way you're describing it, like a, you know, I'm doing this because it's necessary. Not like, that's the, the reason I could just
1: be describing it wrong.
0: And it could be, I'm just basing it on.
1: She's given multiple opportunities to not do it. And he asks her multiple times. Is this what you really want? And she insists that it is fair enough. But with that, What are your overall impressions on the game now that we have completed its
0: final... As an initial release. (laughs) Yeah. So overall, I know we've talked about it a couple times, but I really, really like the game. I mean, it was very well done. There's, I think we've talked about that more than a couple times. Right. You're right. (laughs) I mean, the gameplay was really good. The writing was frankly, by the standards of video games, I thought the writing was excellent, because video game writing is usually not particularly great uh, compared to like books or movies or whatever, and I, I really liked the writing uh, of the plot, and I, I was very impressed, and I know at least, I think only once we brought this up, but I really liked how even many of the side quests still felt like they had the attention to detail and like were uniquely crafted unlike in like, say, your Skyrim or your Elder or uh, Fallout or things like that, where a lot of the missions that are like side quests sort of feel copy pasted. I mean, there was definitely yeah. a, some of that, like, especially like exploring the question marks where a lot of them were very similar, but, but like, all the Witcher contracts were unique. There was, there was, I don't think there were any Witcher contracts that were duplicates. Even if they started out sounding like they were going to be a duplicate, they were different.
1: And if it wasn't a, a lot of the question marks were duplicates, but the actual quests themselves yeah. were almost always different. And even if they were similar, there were only elements that were similar, not the entire side quest itself.
0: So yeah, more than anything, what I take away from it is how impressed I am by the fact that there was so much game there and they, they managed to fill the game world with so much stuff without it feeling like they were just copy pasting stuff. Yeah. And like that more than any like if there was only one takeaway i got out of it it's that that i am amazed at because i mean game design is incredibly hard work making a video game is like i you talk to professional professional programmers and stuff and they'll say that making a video game is the hardest thing you can do in computer science i've had multiple conversations with multiple people who have said that that are like and I'm talking. Yeah, I don't like, think you're going to get any disagreement I, there. I know, <laughs> but be like even like you know, 50 plus like guys near retirement who may may never even have played a video game, but we'll still talk about how hard video game development is. Everybody knows it, and so the fact that they were willing to put that much time and that much effort into something so huge is pretty mind-boggling. And then we look at like all the free DLC. Like I mean, we have these two massive uh, expansions that are supposedly the entire length of the second game all over again. But, you know, even before then, they released several free expansions that you could download, like, with their extra quests, the New Game Plus mode, all these things. And, like, it's so clearly a labor of love. And I know it's a European company and like, I think, I believe, Eastern Europe, where the Witcher books are a lot more well-established. And you know... Like, you can just tell playing it how much the people who worked on this game love that book series.
1: Well, even more so, it, it just for the studio itself, It I cannot tell you how unbelievably, especially after playing Witcher 3, I cannot tell you how unbelievably excited I am for Cyberpunk. Yeah. Because you're right. This game is very clearly a labor of love. And if they put even half as much effort into that game that they do Witcher 3, which I know they're gonna put as much, if not more, effort into, it's gonna be an amazing game. And it just goes it goes to show that like you were saying, this game is so very well done. Now, I guess I will say there are things that I wish it delved into a little deeper. The the and and we had brought this up on multiple occasions, but I just kinda have to reiterate the The story between Triss and Yennefer and the romance options between both of them, I just, the rest of the game was so well thought out and well planned and well executed that it just seems like it was almost a, well, you have to have romance in there because you just have to. There's been romance in the other game, so you have to have a choice between these two. And it's almost like you really didn't even need that. But if you were going to have it in there... Why shoehorn it in like that?
0: And it's very weird because the romance... Compared to the first two games, the romance in three is clearly implied to be a much bigger deal since, you know, everything is framed to make it sound like this is it. Gerald is done. This is the end of his adventure forever. Unlike the first two games where it even ended with Dandelion basically saying that's a story for another time and implying there's more to come. And But the romance in the first two games managed to feel a lot more natural in the sense of, I mean, ignoring the ridiculousness of the collectible trading cards for sleeping with people in Witcher 1, but like the actual romance options between Triss and the other person were, like, felt much more well integrated into the game, which is weird considering how little consequence they actually have compared to the romance in 3, where it's like, yeah, this is what the end of, whoever you pick, Garrett, winds up with them forever.
1: And speaking of romance, I remember what Dandelion said. Oh, yeah. Dandelion was talking about how um, he he was going to go off and kind of tell his stories and everything, and Gerald's kind of joking about him, like, really? And I'm sure you're going to tell all the women, too, huh? And he goes, are you kidding me? There's only one woman for me, Priscilla. And he talks about how much he loves her and how much he's supporting her, and Geralt says, oh, and and how's she doing after everything? And he goes, actually, she's doing quite well. And she's singing again. Her voice sounds a little more gravelly than before. It almost sounds better, in fact. And it's just it talks. He just talks about that happy ending
0: of, oh, yeah. And guess what? Priscilla's cool, too. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. And more than I mean, obviously, the fact that Priscilla recovered, but also just that, you know. Dandelion did break the stereotype that and uh, his reputation and found someone he truly totally cares about and is staying with her forever. Well, I did hear that in the, in the Witcher outcome, series Witcher outcome,
1: um, that Priscilla actually dies and that he just becomes a, uh, just womanizer again. Oh,
0: I, I just, appar- further apparently solidifying he- the bad choice you've made. Apparently he just skipped over that in my epilogue there Cause I feel like I would have remembered that
1: it was in the credits. You just must've missed it. Oh, there's like a there's like a little um, uh, gravestone, and it says Priscilla on it, and Danny Lyons crying there. But there's two women at his side. Very heavily implied. You know, you must have missed it. It's clear. It's it's okay. <laughs> you let let's be honest. You definitely hit X and skipped right through the credits, didn't you? <laughs> and that was there for you and your ending. Okay. But yeah, it's and and, and as much as I say that. I still need to reiterate that this game was amazing. It just the romance between Triss and Yennefer and Geralt just seems so forced, abs I given the importance that you were that you were hitting on earlier and it just seems odd and out of place to me considering the rest of the game seems so meticulously put together as if it was this grand design. And it's almost like we know Triss is going to be here for X when the mages are going to get out. We know Yennefer is going to be here for Y when we're talking about the series stuff. Well, let's just throw their romance stuff in there instead of having it throw in later because Triss is just going to be gone. And it's like, you didn't have to have that. You could have had additional quests after all of this where you talk to both of them again and you could have had a more fleshed out romance between them, especially given the importance of it. And it's like, well, Geralt has to end up with somebody or if you tell both of them you love them, which if somebody is like, hey, Triss is my only option. Yeah, I love you. Maybe they are change their mind and tell Yennefer I love them later. There's no option to go back to Triss and be like, yay, hey, I made a mistake. Uh, turns out I actually love Yennefer. So both of them show up at the end of the game and then leave Geralt and he ends up by himself. And it's like, it just seems and, and if somebody had made that decision all the way in in i think act 1 yes with triss well it's act 1 for both of them i thought it was
0: act no because act 2 is skellige or no, act, act 2 is novigrad act Gray. 2 is after all three no, act 1 is all three of the main areas it doesn't start act 2 until you like act 2 is literally just like once you've done all three areas and you start to go try to catch up to Siri and the Uma stuff and stuff that is act two is and three are classified as very short,
1: but you don't even get to Yennefer
0: until like 10 levels oh, after yeah. it's, it's much Dricks. later in act one. But yeah, but the, the the fact that you're locked into that decision in act one is very strange. Exactly. Cause most, most games like this, you don't really make that decision until basically act three. And Triss and Yennefer both show up in the end game. Yeah. Both of them are there. And after Trish
1: shows up, She's basically 100% here now. Yeah. After Trish shows up for the battle with Siri and getting Siri back, she is 100% on board with all of this. She's like, all those mages can figure out their own nonsense.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll go back eventually, but I'm like,
1: I am here for this. And it's just odd to me that they would make that choice. The other thing, and especially when we start looking at the DLC and continuing the game. I think it's going to be a huge detriment. Only being able to have the uh, twelve signs that you're allotted. Oh, the, the the upgrades, yeah, or twelve skill slots. Because it's very clear that the game was you're meant to get to this point, and that's what we've planned for. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, but there's a lot after that. Yeah. And it just from what I can tell of of playing, because I have played the DLC a little bit. Because we knew we were going to. And from what I can tell, there's no options for basically you just keep going down the skill tree, but there are no
0: options to slot any new skills. Yeah, that's been my biggest concern as far as this goes. Is, and I know we talked about this a little bit, like especially last week when we were getting near the end, but leveling up almost feels like it doesn't matter now because I, what am I going to do with these points? Exactly. I have everything. I mean, there may be other things I would like to have, but what do I trade for them? Because I want the combat stuff
1: that I have now, I want. Right. If I was going to do anything better, I would want to extend that, and I just can't. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so do I become all combat, or do I become all signs, or do I do a mixture of the two? I don't know really what the right choice is, but... The fact that you only have 12 slots in general means that you don't really get a choice.
0: Yeah, so at this point... You you can't really continue to flesh out the other things because I honestly don't want to give up what I have. And, and that's not uncommon in a lot of games when you get near the end because, you know, they'll plan for a progression system that gets you to about X, but... Yeah, it seems like what they planned for is the end of the base game, because even by the end of that, I was already at the point where I'm like, okay, now what?
1: And I'll use an example. So Yarden has two versions. Mm -hmm. All of them have two versions, I believe. Yes, but Yarden, the first version is a circle that is around you. The second version is you hold the button down and it slowly takes your whole bar down and then you shoot up Yarden. And it's basically just a symbol that's floating there in the air and it attacks things in in a what seems to be a wider circle. The problem with that is Wraiths
0: require Yarden. I think it's Wraiths, one of them. Yeah, pretty much, because you do very little damage until you do that. But it takes, like,
1: I'm not kidding, like 10 seconds. I don't know if you've used second level Yarden or not, but it takes, like, Ten seconds of you standing there holding the button and getting ready to do about as long as it takes you to burn out your whole fire, except you're sitting there vulnerable the entire time. And if anything hits you, it immediately ends. Nothing happens, but you're just out that section of the bar and you have to wait for it to re re up again. So you kind of have to run away from a battle Hope that there's enough time, and even though Wraiths can teleport, hope that they don't get Yarden down if you're only going to use that one. So if you want to continue to deal with Wraiths, well, there's two spots right there because the one Yarden is great for attacking one-on-one. When you have a one-on-one Golem, you put Yarden up, and it just continually attacks the Golem as you're running around the battlefield, running up to him, hitting him, and then going back, and hopefully your shield doesn't get dissipated. So it's like, if I want to have multiple things, every single time I go into a fight, I have to change my character around. I shouldn't have to do that. I should have a second skill slot or a second option, or even if you're not going to give me that option, let me have different build outs
0: where I can just go pause. Here's my new build out. I mean, I, I a I completely agree with you and I dislike that you do that. I, I will say though, you can still do the first level spell even while you have the second level one. Really? Yeah. If you just hit the button and let it go, you still do the level one version. Only if you hold it down do you do the level two, and that includes like the fire and everything. So like, if you have level two, the burning hands thing equipped, you can just if you just tap the button, he still does the wave of fire. Because I still have the wave of fire in my skill slot list. I have both of them list- listed there. Yeah. I like. I mean, now granted, I'm playing on the uh, console, but just using the. I mean, we're still both using Xbox controllers, but yeah, if I just tap. The sign button, he just does the level one version. He only does the level two if you hold it down. Well, maybe it. Maybe it's the skill
1: upgrades of the level one versus the level two that I'm talking about because the level one Yarden has a skill upgrade that slows them for longer. Mm-hmm. And maybe that is the part that I'm talking about. Uh, so re- I have to make sacrifices. But regardless, regardless I, don't I shouldn't disagree. have
0: to make those sacrifices. Especially given how much they've extended the game.
1: Because... I have to... One slot is always going to be taken up just because there are dialogue options for being able to mind control people. Right. So one slot is always going to be taken up because it's just dumb not to have that. So many things... Because it comes up so often. Not only does it come up that often, but you also get experience for it, which is relatively rare in this game. Yeah. So not doing that just seems odd. But it's one of those things that it's like, when I look at the game overall... It's hard for me to say. It's hard for me to look at that and not be like, "Yeah, I feel like that could have been done a little better."
0: I, yeah, I don't disagree. Uh, mechanically, that was an issue. Like the other, a couple other mechanical issues that that I had, uh, like I've mentioned before, dealing with combat, flying enemies, partially as an extension of the combat problem, because it was just like the fact that flying enemies were annoying to deal with wouldn't have been bad by itself, but Given that you could get locked in combat with them, then you're basically just sitting there waiting for them to come down, and it's just very annoying.
1: There, I didn't have that problem at all until I was on the side of a mountain and Mm -hmm. had to deal with sirens. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I totally get it. This sucks because I can't jump anymore, and I can't do
0: anything, and I literally just have to wait for them to get Mm -hmm. close. Exactly. That was exactly the, the moment when it, it hit me, too, where I'm like, this is terrible. Like, this is... that. Wow. How did not someone not notice this? And if they did notice
1: it, was it just too late to fix it? Like, but that's a pretty big problem. Yeah, because... Because a lot of times those enemies, the flying enemies, are flying around. They're not staying stationary. Right. Where you, the got, bandits, you have to wait
0: for them to get there.
1: The bandits are where they're at, and they just get up and then start charging at you. Mm-hmm with flying enemies they just fly wherever they go and if they just happen to if you just happen to aggro them while you're trying to get up the side of this mountain because when i was doing the path thing that's when it really happened for me i'm like wow this sucks i just have to wait and then and the even wh- better is when i accidentally rolled
0: out of the way and then flew off the mountain thanks game the uh, even worse is the ways you do have to deal with flying enemies, because you can shoot the crossbow at them and it'll, that brings them to Earth. You can shoot, like, the Ard sign to knock them down or blow the horn for sirens. Oh, there's there's options, but... I don't have the horn. I, my point is, <laughs> any of those options, if they all fall into the water and you're stuck on the side of the mountain or whatever, it doesn't break the combat. You still just have, like, you, that becomes worthless because you, you're just waiting longer now. Yeah. Because none of those are going to kill it and then you have to wait for it to get back up. So, like, you literally have no options but just to sit there blocking and waiting for them to come to you.
1: Because what I do is I block, wait for it to come to me, and then set it on fire, which does, like, three-quarters damage or something. And then I have to just wait for it again and hope that Mm -hmm. I'll hit them this time. And then they fly off the side of the mountain, and then they drop their loot in some weird
0: random corner. Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Flying enemies in general are... are are annoying, but them combined with the inability to break combat makes for an extremely frustrating encounter. Exactly. Uh the other thing, and this is almost this is really more funny than anything, but in general, a-, a couple of strange design decisions like that aside, the game is seems to have very few bugs. Like I know you talked about like the random de- cloning of swords or whatever, which is, I mean, obviously a good bug as far as you're concerned, but the arrow in the hand and there was actually a really funny one in the epilogue for me but I'll yeah. talk to that about that in a but, second. I mean, any game, especially a game of that size is going to have bugs, but it was surprisingly a pretty smooth experience except for Roach. Roach constantly was bugging out and it was hilarious. I only had one issue with Roach. I don't understand I why you several, had all these problems. And I sent them to you and I know so I know you've seen them, but like there was one where he and I I this one I posted on Twitter, I'm pretty sure, but he was like straight vertical and then if you tried to mount him, Geralt would just, like, walk up and assert, like, go, would go completely horizontal and walk up. It's like it's like gravity flips 90 degrees. And then he would get up to Roach and then just immediately fall back to Earth and get, like, nothing had happened. <laughs> it was just, he was just stuck like that. And just think, little things like that. Or going down a mountain and, like, would be completely flipped so only, like, two of his legs were hitting the ground and the other ones are just, like... It- I had
1: one instance
0: where... It was when I got to Caramore the
1: first time, and, or no, it might have even been the time with Siri. Whenever Siri greeted Vesemir, which I think would have been the first time with Siri, Roach was just kind of standing there, and his two legs were on the ground, but his other two legs were in the stable, like up, because the stable was like where the horse's face would normally mm-hmm. be. And he was just like, yo. <laughs> Just like at a like a like a forty five degree angle from the ground, just standing there, and I'm like, "You okay, buddy? You really need food that bad? You can't figure out this process,
0: <laughs> or what's it, happening?" It's really funny though, because Roach freaking out memes are such a thing that people are really hoping that they throw it in an inside joke in The Witcher. Netflix series of like Roach somehow like a pe- winding up on a roof or something just because of the goofy. Really? Yeah. The, I, I've seen people are like hoping that that will happen in the Netflix series because it's such a thing in the games. Roach just ends up on a roof, but the people watching it would be like, um, what? Yeah, I know. What but- is
1: this? How did he get up there? What is going on? <laughs> I. It would be really cool if they did that, but it would be so hard to explain that.
0: I don't, I highly doubt. I doubt they will. I just uh, but I did was like, that would be really funny. So, but it, but it is interesting because Roach had so many issues, like of all of the things, everything else in that game, very technically solid. And then Roach is just like its own thing.
1: (laughs) So it wasn't until I really noticed in the epilogue when, when I was talking to everybody and when I had the ability or when I talked to the new inn owner. We were standing there, and when I activated the dialogue with him, it seemed he was holding a beer mug. Dialogue starts, and it goes into cinematic mode, and now his hands are at his side, and the mug is just floating there in space. (laughs) Nice. So I'm having this entire conversation with him, and I eventually noticed this mug that in cinematic mode, it's like... And there's this just mug just like... It, it, it's almost as if, like, in the Matrix, the camera is just slowly going around. And all we'll I can focus when they're, on... When
0: they're, like, frozen in midair, and the camera just, like, spins around them.
1: And all I can focus on is this mug as it's standing there. They're having this dialogue, which is why I don't remember a lot of what was happening. It's- because I'm like, <laughs> this mug is, like, defying all logic and reason. And then as soon as the cinematic was over, because I was so focused on the mug, I noticed that... It immediately went back to him and his hand and his arm just jerks up, has the mug. And then suddenly all of that, the mug disappears, his arm disappears, and it just goes back to him doing some bartender stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) huh. So it's almost as like. As soon as Geralt walks the NPCs are just going on about their digital lives. And when Geralt walks up and he's like, Hey, what's going on, man? They're just immediately like, Oh, no. <sighs> and they're like, Geralt, what's happening?
0: All right, well, let's have this conversation right now. And the mug is just like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going <laughs> to freeze here. Like, the mug is also an NPC. It's just like, <sighs> It's a digital asset. And it's like, Huh frozen in place. I don't know what to do. <laughs> It'd be like Wreck-It Ralph, except like all the bricks are also alive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was kind of that, that was a little, that was a really funny bug that I ran into.
0: It's hard not to be amused by little graphical things like that. Now, of course there's the downside of these sorts of things. Cause especially all of the, uh, the labor of love that went into it or whatever. I know there's been, um, I, I've seen some stories floating around about, you know, just like everywhere else in the games industry, the, the amount of work and overtime and crunch and stuff that happens at, at, at CD Project Red and some, like uh, obvious. I just, I mean, I, I guess I want to say, even though, you know, we have no say on these sorts of things, but that's obviously really bad. And I would much rather, despite how I'm sitting here talking about how impressed I was with that, I would much rather the game have less of that and let the people who make the game have lives. It's not so much,
1: it's not so much that I would say it's how about if you're at crunch time, you just extend the release of the game.
0: Right. That's what I mean. Like, things like there are so many things we could definitely, they could definitely be doing. And I'd be, but I mean, like, if- I would much rather wait on this product mm-hmm. that and, and know that
1: people are being taken care of and people are living their lives and they're not sitting there, you know, constantly working 80 hour weeks or something. Yeah. And be like, yeah, I can just wait a month or two to play The Witcher, especially considering you and I didn't even play it for years, for for years. I mean, I know you had kind of played it, I think, a little bit when it first came out. I never touched three. Oh, you didn't. So, yeah, I mean, both of us waited years. I mean,
0: yeah, it's not a lot of people don't want to wait. But at the same time, it's like the industry as a whole will be much healthier because all you get that way is a bunch of people who burn out and leave and all the knowledge and everything else that they have in their experience disappears and you know right now the industry is built on this churn and burn model and that's just not sustainable and that's gotta change but that's obviously a scope beyond any one video game yeah but that's i mean because that's a problem the whole industry has and
1: because i know you you i know you specifically didn't go out and play red dead redemption 2 because of all the things you heard about
0: when uh that game came out from rockstar and unfortunately you know and and i did make that decision but all but like And I mean, you had a decent point when we were talking about it was, you know, how is that different from any other game? They're all like that. I don't know that all of them were as bad as that because that one got a bunch of attention, but it may just be that that's the one that randomly got attention. And either way, none of them should be like that. And that's a real problem.
1: Yeah. And as much as I love video games, as much as I love playing them, it does, especially where I'm at in my life and as much work as. I do mm-hmm. and everything and, and and I've been there before. I've had sixty eighty hour weeks, but not near to the extent that that video video game employees, and, yeah, and developers and, and, and testers and, and everything else are putting into and it even and even those just, where I'm at in my life, it's v- so not important to me to play a game as soon as possible, like, for the longest time in my life, I was like, I can't wait for Final Fantasy VII Remake. Why aren't they doing it? I want it tomorrow. Yada, yada, yada. I would much rather wait to play it and know that people are going home happy and healthy every night. Oh, yeah. Because, because the, the it, it's just like, you know, actors and everything working on a movie and everything like that. It's these are people, mm-hmm. the people who design these assets, the people who design these these games and and the dialogue and everything that's, that goes into it and all the testing that goes into finding different bugs, they're all people and they all need to go home at the end of the night and feel fulfilled. And whether it's a passion project whether they love working on it or not, you know, if someone goes out of their way and says like, I have to finish this. Like I'm, when I work on things, I am very much a, I'm going to work on it until it's done. Not everyone is like me and not everybody wants to do things like that. And and, and and it's important for people to stay happy and healthy because
0: the product is going to suffer mm-hmm. eventually. And, ev- and part of it is you don't even have to make that decision, that trade off, because if you're willing to give it the time it needs, you can get an even better product than you would. But even if the trade off was that the game at the end of the day is going to be worse because people had it, I would rather the game be worse and let them have lives. Exactly. If, that, if that was the decision I had to make and it's not because you can, you can do both if you're willing to put the, the proper time into it. But and, and what game these days, doesn't have a day one patch. Yeah.
1: It's so rare. When I got Pokemon, I was ready for like a one gig download or something. And I was incredibly surprised that there wasn't. Yeah. Because almost every game that comes out these days has a day one patch to fix glitches and bugs and everything. And, If you're Bethesda, you just leave it up to the modders (laughs) to fix all your problems. And it's just, the overall point is, I absolutely love this game, and I absolutely love all the effort and everything that people put into it, but some of that, at the end of the day, is tarnished because of the
0: video game industry as a whole. Yeah. And when we talk about how excited we are for Cyberpunk, because don't get me wrong, I also am excited for Cyberpunk, I want it to be really good, but... Just like every other studio, I'm concerned that getting the level of you know labor of love that they're doing, and that's the problem is nobody's in video games who doesn't love what they're doing just because of the hours and things like that. Anybody who doesn't gets out of it really quick because you can you know have a much better life in other places, and so the people who stay are getting taken advantage of because of their love of what they do, and which makes it so that many sadder. people
1: want to make video games because they grew up having this love and passion for video games and they're like this is what i want to do i want to make games and then it's like so this is what i have to do to make games i'm willing to make that sacrifice and it's almost like you shouldn't have
0: to no you do it's not yeah you definitely shouldn't and i there was a time when i wanted to go into games and i was looking at it when i was in school and i never did and i'm really glad i didn't for that sake but like, I, there's still a part of me that wants to work on making games and stuff. And every once in a while, I have ideas and design it. So, like, I, I definitely get that drive. I really do. But this got into a much more serious topic than I think we were. On thinking. that
1: down note, we yeah. have a few minutes left. Do you want to talk about some of the side quests we didn't get to before? <laughs> now that we're Debbie Downers about the whole video game that we super love.
0: <laughs> I feel like we did that with Final Fantasy X-2 also, though, and kind of had a bunch of, slapped a bunch of downers there on the end. Yeah, but Final Fantasy II had a lot more problems than... I mean, I would agree. I think Witcher's a, definitely a better game. Well, by Final way, Fantasy X-2. Yeah. And had
1: Final, lot Final lot Fantasy
0: more... II had a lot of problems also, let's just be clear. <laughs> um, Final Fantasy II has a lot of problems. But... Final Fantasy X-2, specifically Blitzball, was a huge problem. And a... I hate Waka we're just gonna record that and play that back for you forever of Blitzball was a huge problem the version of Blitzball in Final Fantasy 10 2 specifically I hate Waka. <laughs> okay but uh side it's qu- been so long since I've said it it's it's like spewing out it feels like coming
1: home again I've had so much love for Yennefer this whole time I've never been able to hate on Waka since um so as far as side quests go there is this one really cool one that I that I liked. And and before we kind of end, even though we're going into the DLC anyway, I wanted to talk about the Vanishing Tower. OK, so it's this level 30 quest that kind of opens up. And, and even more before I get into that, there is one thing that I did want to mention. So after the game, after everything takes place, like I said, it, it was it was very emotional, especially especially after it just ended and after I had my epilogue, which I was like so happy with, I, I I'm not ashamed to say that I teared up during during both of those instances, especially when when Ciri gives him the sword and says her final goodbyes. And I wanna say that after all that was said and done and after the credits were finished rolling, it, it shoots you back into care more, but it's empty. Yeah. There's nothing there. And the very first thing I did, I immediately went back to Novigrad and I was like, well, Yennefer's not here. I mean, I didn't expect to see Lambert or Eskel because of the conversation that we had, but I walked all the way to the top of the tower to see if Yennefer was there and she wasn't. And then I teleported to Novigrad because that's the last place where everybody was at. And I went into Dandelion's cabaret and no Dandelion no zoltan no yennefer no triss nothing it was just empty and i even bef- even as e- i already kind of was like on the fence about the dlc and when i was sitting there i'm like this emptiness just feels wrong it just feels so like this game is so big and it's so massive but without the people that i've known and without the people that i've built these relationships with i just felt
0: empty yeah, I was just hearing you say that is it's it's such a I'm like this just sucks. Yeah, it's it sounds really depressing just like everybody being gone. Cuz like
1: even if because it specifically says it basically fast forwards to before the battle, but you can't start the story anymore. Mm-hmm. Or it rewinds to before the battle, but you can't fast forward anymore. And it talks about how you can't access the main story, but you can do the DLC stuff. And what I was actually going to do was I, I was going to start New Game Plus, which is why I was very familiar with the area and Mikkel, because I had completely forgotten about him. I mean, duh. Yeah. But I had actually started New Game Plus, and then I was like, I got to get to the DLC. I got to go back. I can't do this. It's. I realized none of that opens up until Act 2, which means you got to go through Trish. You got to go through... Jennifer, you got to go through Dijkstra. You got to do all that. And I'm like, I do not have the time for any of that. Yeah. I'm like, I got to get onto the DLC. And so I was like, oh, man, it just feels empty. And it just feels off as I'm traveling around. And then I noticed that a couple races had opened back up that I guess I didn't do before. And I definitely did them and definitely didn't get the better saddle Still upset about that. I don't know where you got the better saddle, but from my perspective, was not those races. Unless there was some mega ultimate race that you then did after all of them that I didn't get to participate in because I didn't do the first races. They weren't available after Act 1 because the Baron was now dead. Or gone, in this case. In my case, dead. And I was just sitting there thinking, oh man, this game is just empty. And I kind of slept on it. And the next day I went back and I started doing... I started kind of exploring a little bit, and I left Keramoran, and I I didn't go back to Novigrad um, because, like I said, I had started doing New Game Plus, and I'm like, I can't do this. I have to go back, and I started doing the the side quests, and I'm like, finally, there's people to talk to again. I'm like, this is like, it just felt so. It's like I can finally talk to people again. It's almost like I work in IT which I think is probably obvious at this point. I don't know if we've mentioned it before. I'm almost positive we have. (laughs) But there are times when I have the ability to work from home, and especially when I'm sick, even though I'm still participating on meetings, and even though I'm still doing work and I'm still talking to people, when I'm at home and sick and I can't talk to anyone, like I can't physically go talk to someone, after about a week, it just feels wrong. I'm like... I want to go in. I want to see people. I want to have human interactions other than just myself and my wife. It's like when I went back into the game and it was just nothing and just a bunch of random people that I don't even know. It just it had it had it made me have that uneasy feeling of this is wrong. I want to talk to somebody more than the people just walking by calling me a freak. This sucks. Wow. <laughs> and so off of that downer, we go into the mystical. <laughs> I, I just wanted to talk about how that felt because it almost made me not want to do the DLC again because I'm like, I hate this. I absolutely hate this. I can't talk to any of the people that I want to talk to. And even though there's no dialogue options, I at least know that they're there. Even if I couldn't talk to Dandelion or Zoltan or Jennifer or Tris or whoever, it's just... That I could go somewhere in the game and know that they're there, it would be different. But from what I could tell, I didn't have that option. Because all of them were just gone, as if they were all erased from existence. Do you think maybe they would have been back in that first area where they were hanging out? I went back there, and again, Uh. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anybody. And it was just like, I don't know, maybe they teleported to their spots in the DLC. If they're in the DLC, I, I don't know if they're there or not, but it just felt so empty and it, it just felt off because I went back there and I'm like, Hey, what's up? Okay. No one's here. Cool. (laughs) But there is one of the side quests is this tower has just appeared out of nowhere. And that immediately came with massive storms. And the local village was afraid of what that was going to bring. And, it was preventing them from doing their work. It was preventing them from getting food and and water and everything. And they were worried that the storm was going to continue to pick up and it was going to like destroy their homes and everything like that. And so they're like, Hey, can you go check out this random tower? And Geralt says, well, have any of you gone to look at it? And they're like, yeah, of course is immediately. As soon as it showed up, we went, they're like five people went in and no one came back. Oh, good. (laughs) Great. You kind of go into the tower, and as soon as you get in there, the tower just says, automated defense system activated. And
0: I'm like, um... Wait, what? What? That sounds a little futuristic for this world. Yeah, that's what it felt like.
1: And then this golem immediately comes out and starts attacking, and so I kill the golem, and... Then I'm going around and I'm looking at all the, the the people and everything, and I'm kind of examining and I'm stealing and looting everything from the area. Meanwhile, this guy is behind this magic barrier going, Hey, 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 yo, yo, dude, <laughs> hey, come here. And like, I'm stealing stuff on the side there. Like, <laughs> of course. Dude. That's what, you, that's what you do. I'm over, like, I'm here, buddy. And so I, I eventually, when I'm done perusing the area, I go talk to him and turns out that this guy essentially inherited this tower from another mage whom f- their family members essentially wanted nothing to do with it because they thought that this tower is what killed him. Surprise, surprise. He walks into the tower and the automated defense system shoots up. It, It's a magical, I can't remember what he called it, but like magical, Autonomous defense something. Basically, it's magical automation for defenses. And there's golems that get they, that get um, teleported in. You go into one area, and two gargoyles come out, and it says something to the effect of generating more defenses. And then something else comes out. And I can't remember what the second thing was, but then it goes generating automated defenses and then an, a werewolf comes out and I'm like okay so I kill that wait 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 it made a werewolf yeah a werewolf just appears cuz first two gargoyles appear then okay s- but
0: those are like you know constructs or whatever and I was on board that was like wait where did you get a werewolf something
1: else showed up I cannot remember what it was but then the werewolf comes up and then after you kill the werewolf it says resources depleted and then it the teleport thing happens again and it's like, resources depleted, unknown, and a cow pops out <laughs> and just starts walking along and it's like, and it just starts walking around and then it says, unavailable resources to continue defense. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. Um, Why the cow though? <laughs> Seriously, what else could you have possibly sent? that had anything to do with a cow and why is there a cow? And there are so many unanswered questions with boom, teleported cow. (laughs) It's like,
0: it's that food that you were thinking. Actually, that wouldn't surprise me if it, if like they had the werewolf in captivity or whatever, and the cow was food. And it's like the food. (laughs) It's like,
1: I don't know what to do. So sending the food, it's like a program error. Yeah. It's like, uh, (laughs) cow, (laughs) not enough resources so boom cow and uh maybe there maybe was maybe
0: this will work i don't know maybe
1: there was a t-rex and they just didn't have the the resources to send it and the cow was the bait and so it just sent the bait so like but Jurassic not the Park. t-rex yeah that's what i'm mis- i have to assume that that's what it was because what else could it have possibly I been i
0: mean Geralt fighting a t-rex would have been a pretty exciting fight
1: yeah especially in a small room like that i think it would have been I think the T-Rex would have been at a disadvantage, but still being a T-Rex, I feel like it would have been a decent, a decent matchup. I mean, cause if it bites you, that'd be pretty much it. So after you get through there and then there's an, basically this whole little area is kind of like a puzzle where you find different things and you go back to the guy and basically it culminates in the magical barrier shutting down and then him following you to essentially say the end of the spell. And when you get to the end, the guy gives you money, and he's like, hey, thanks for all of this. And Geralt's like, yo, you need to move this tower because these people, like, the gravitational, he was like, there are storms and everything that's happening, and it's messing up the people's village. And he goes, oh, well, that must be the gravitational disturbances, blah, 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 blah. And Geralt's like, cool, you got to move the tower, though. And he's like, oh, yeah, not a problem. And he immediately starts doing a spell, and Geralt's like, Wait, what are you doing? No, 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 no! And Geralt immediately teleports above the ocean. <laughs> Tower gone. And then Geralt's falling and hits into the ocean. And then you hear the people go like, What the heck is this? Is he dead? What is going on? And then you hear, No, 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 he's swimming closer to us. And then you hear like clapping like, Oh, yeah! yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then Geralt comes up and this kid goes, "Can you teach me how to fly, mister?" And and he's like, "Maybe some other time." And this Skelligan woman or not. Yeah, I think she was Skellig. Yeah, it was Skelligan because this was on Skelligan Isles and um she walks up and she's like, "Hey, um what's going on?" And obviously Geralt's like, "Yo.
0: <laughs>
1: what's up? How are you doing?" You know, <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but the tower is gone. That was me. And she's like, yeah, I did. And then this dude who I either her brother or husband is like, kind of gives what her this side you eye doing? and then steps in front of her and Geralt. And then they they talk about, um, they were like, hey, you know, you can do, you can. Um, oh, the reason she hits on Geralt is because I specifically said, oh, yeah, I don't need any money for this. Like, but we, we have money for you because of this. And he goes, oh, no, I'm good. I don't need any money. And she's like, oh, and chivalrous, too. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and then this dude kind of steps in the front. And he's like, oh, no, there's this wizard in there. And he gave me money for it. So, like, you guys are good. I don't need anything. Because you had the option of getting even more money or just denying
0: it. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I seriously don't need money. Well, yeah, especially because at this point, like, I I have more money. I don't know what I could possibly use all this money for. Oh, you'll find a use. I guarantee you of that. Really? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Very shortly. Not sure I like the sound of that. <laughs> kind of wishing I had taken that extra money, but
1: the the nice interchange between the beautiful Skelligan woman and, and Geralt definitely having a moment. Um, was well worth the not getting the 200 crowns or whatever it would have been. But yeah, I thought that was kind of... I kind of thought that was... That is a fun little quest. The whole... The, just all of it culminating into me knowing exactly what was going to happen. The dude was going to not waste any time and just teleport Geralt out and teleport it away. And he definitely does. He's like, Bla, blah, 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 spell. Teleport. And Geralt's like, no! <laughs> you don't understand! <laughs>
0: It was just so, it was so good. Oh, that's great. I love it. But with that much more entertaining note, I guess let's go into, uh, what are your expectations for next time?
1: Well, I mean, my expectations are I've already started the DLC and, um, there's more content. I can tell you that. (laughs) Wait, you mean the downloadable content has content that we downloaded? It does. And you know what? how games normally fix the money, the money stuff by having some random money sink. Guess what's there? Oh, good! Huge money sink right off the bat.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, I was like,
1: but this stuff sounds so cool. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> but give it to me. So my expectations going forward are uh, the Peller's got to have something. <laughs> He's been away for so long and this whole cloning thing, like he's got to come back. He has to, I feel like he's going to be a major part of one of the DLCs. And I think people are mentioning how much I will, I will love blood and wine because he's going to be there because he's going to be there. He's, he's there. The Peller is there. He is the major overarching villain of blood and wine. And you know, it, it's going to come back, and I think people are excited for me to finally get the
0: story out there that we all that we all wanted and needed. That we have all known is there all along, but just haven't gotten to see. The
1: Peller's a bad dude. Like, we know it. You know it. I know it. The people who have already played the DLC knows it. That's all I really need to say. Fair enough. The fact that he's gone on this long
0: without having an ending, I got to say I'm disappointed. Not to mention Princess. we got to find out what, what what happened to Princess. Well, Princess is a Doppler clone. Well, yeah, but we haven't gotten a resolution there. Yeah. We'll it's get it. unacceptable. We'll get it. So what are your
1: expectations?
0: Well, I need to start the DLC, and now I'm expecting some massive money sink because somebody has warned me about that. So I'm really curious what's going on there, except apparently it's something pretty cool because you seem <laughs> to be very excited.
1: Yes, it is. It's very cool.
0: <laughs> I really like it. <laughs> Um, I did notice, when you look at the world map, there's this whole area that we've never been to. Yeah. The Duchy of Toussaint, Toussaint or whatever. So, at least one of those DLCs is going to have to send us there. I don't think it's the first one, because
1: I've stayed relatively in the same area, to my knowledge, but I'm not too far into it, so I I don't really know.
0: But, with that... Yeah, so... As always, you can find us on Twitter at VideoGamesC2C with the number two, uh, where we post about new episodes and things like that, or announce things, you know, whatever we want to use Twitter for. We also have our Discord channel that we uh, we post in pretty regularly, and we have a pretty thriving little community in there of people. Or again, you can always email us at cover at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um... It, whether it's you know to something about the game if you want to drop a suggestion for maybe other things we should look at going forward you know, whatever you'd like to do or just give us some feedback we'd, we'd really appreciate that new episodes every monday wherever you get your
1: podcasts and i've said it before and i'll say it again but if you like what you're doing if you could just leave us a review on your listening app of choice i think i don't really know else to say that but i miss Jennifer.